We're in a series called Unstoppable, The Power of Complete Surrender. And I asked you last week when we jumped into the deep end of the pool, right? Right after Easter, it was like, hey, let's jump into 10 feet plus and see if we can swim. I asked you to memorize a phrase. Anybody remember what it was? All right, all right. Okay, let's say it together. All right. I'm ready to suffer and die for Jesus, right? I mean, that is what completely surrendered is, right? Being willing, being ready to suffer and die for Jesus. Now, we all know that it's for Jesus, right? I mean, there's one name above every name. Uh, A lot of people like to say this nice little contrite phrase, I live for an audience of one, right? And we see Paul Paul's example of that in Acts 21. Go ahead and flip your Bible open. Acts 21, Paul's living for an audience of one. But I got to point something out to you. People are watching, right? You might be living for an audience of one, but people are watching. People are checking it out. It makes a difference. Because people are watching, my response matters. What I do, how I interact The world, even believers, other churches, my family, my friends, my coworkers, people at the gym, they're all watching me. Now, I understand I live for an audience of one, but I also am aware that everybody's watching me. And and that's a tension that we live in, right? We don't want to have the fear of man, as you'll see in the message, but we also don't want to, like, trip every man up that's around us because we're, like, so... Uh, on Jesus' page in such a bold and obnoxious way that like everybody's like, get away from me. So there's this balance here, and you're going to see it in the text, and there's a, a lot of life experience. I'm just going to say it this way. This is the message, really, in a sense. How to have a positive testimony in negative circumstances. How to have a positive testimony. I want to have a positive influence on the world in negative circumstances, right? Because we don't always have great days every day. (laughs) There's some negative circumstances around us. So let's dive in. Um, I'm just going to put this tag up first, life experience, okay? So life experience, the school of hard knocks, life kind of happens quickly and you got to deal with it. What does it look like? You're going to see it in the passage. I'm going to read the passage. You're going to see a bunch of different stuff in here. And then I want to turn to really the application of it, which is how do we respond? So if this is what life throws at me and Paul, and we see his example, then how do I respond to that in a biblical way? Verse 17, that's where we left off. Acts 21, verse 17. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. So why did they come to Jerusalem? Can you can you fill me in? Some people weren't here last week, so they might not know this. Why why did they come to Jerusalem? They had a gift, right? They had a gift of money to bring to the Jerusalem church, the Jews, right, who were poor, right, because they were persecuted. And so they all the Gentiles took up this offering, right? The Jews were sharing the spiritual blessings with these guys. And Paul's like, because they shared the spiritual blessings with us, shouldn't we 
share the physical blessings back to them. And so he's trying to create unity in the church, Gentiles and Jews together. That's the backdrop. And they receive them gladly. So you could just add this, uh, this little phrase here uh, to the outline. I, I didn't have this earlier this week, but I'm just going to add it now. They were gladly accepted. They were gladly accepted. Write that down. They were gladly accepted. On the following day, Paul went in with us. Remember James? Or, or two James, but you remember uh, who's, who's the us? Luke is writing, right? Luke's the writer. And not only that, but if you look at chapter 20, if you've been here, chapter 20 lists seven guys that are bringing the money with Paul. So there's a, there's a whole group of them. And they go into James. Who's James? Anybody know who James is? The brother of John? No, not that guy. The brother of Jesus Christ, right? And now the leader of the Jerusalem church, right? He's like the senior pastor in Jerusalem. And there's these elders, probably 70 of them. You're like, whoa, that was a lot of elders. Yeah, well, there's a lot of thousands of uh, Christians here. And, and the pattern of their Sanhedrin was to have 70 people. So I've, I've Bible fat-headed you enough. Let's just keep reading. And all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry, through his Paul's ministry. Now, we've studied Acts for a while now, hey? And you know that there's times when Luke says a lot and a little. Like Luke's saying a lot. How long would it take Paul to restate one by one the details of his third missionary journey? How long would that take exactly? Hours? Maybe days? Right? We're just going to go with hours since it said it was the next day. But it, it took hours. So when you read this verse, you're like, yeah, you know, he just said a few things and it was over. Like, no, no. And when they heard it, they glorified God. Same thing. It wasn't like, hey, yay, God. Okay, now I got something else to say to you. They glorified God. Was it a song set? Was it clapping? Was it rejoicing? Was it like just telling testimonies? I don't know, but they all glorified God. And then it happens. And they said to him, Paul, you see, brother, brother Paul, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. That's key. Circle that. Highlight that in your Bible. That's really key. Um, what had they done? They have believed, right? Who they believe in? Jesus Christ, right? So what's really confusing is they've believed in Jesus, and yet what they're going to say is kind of like, I'm not sure if that's about Jesus, right? And these are the elders, I want to paint them in as good a light as possible since I'm an elder, <laughs> right? But there are some things here you're like, I don't know, I'm scratching my head. What are they doing? These people have believed, thousands of them. They are all zealous. That means enthusiastic and eager for the law. And they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, the law of Moses, literally, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. 
Now, if I'm Paul right there, I'm going, if they hear that I've come and they say something false, why don't y'all just set them straight, right? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, just putting myself in Paul's shoes. Like, hey, bros, you're like the leaders. Can't you just tell them that's not right? And yes, they could, but they chose not to. And I would say to you, look at verse 22 again, what is to be done? So they're contemplating, what's the wisest thing to do here? They will certainly hear that you have come. There's a fear of man there that I think is questionable, if not unhealthy, right? I'm just not sure if this is a good thing. And Ed, as an elder, hey, like we kind of, we struggle with that too. Like, we, we, can, we, can, we can be like, man, I really want to do this because this is what's wise and biblical, but, uh, but I, I want to please the people. And like, there's that, you got to know at every level in life, <laughs> there's that tension. Do I serve God? Do I serve the people? Yes. What does that look like? And use wisdom. And use wisdom. And so they were literally using wisdom They said, do therefore what we tell you, Paul. We have four men who are under a vow. That's a Nazarite vow. You can read about it in number six if you'd like more information. Take these men and purify yourself. That would have taken seven days for him to purify himself along with them and pay their expenses that would not have been cheap. And he had just given the money of the offering away. So I'm not sure how he's going to do this. So that they may shave their heads. That was part of the vow. Thus, all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told you about you, but that you yourself also live in observance to the law. Does Paul live in observance to the law? See, this is just tricky stuff. This is just like, oh, teach us, pastor, because we don't know, right? This is just like, this is the deep end of the pool. Like, what are we talking about? Here's what we're talking about. Here's the life experience that Paul uh, has here. Fearfully abandoned. Now, it's easy to say that when you read the rest of it, okay? You haven't read the rest of it yet, so you're kind of struggling. But like I'm telling you, these elders were fearful of the Jews for good reason and abandoned Paul. Now, they didn't think they were abandoning him, okay? I don't think they did it on purpose. But in all actuality, what they did was they put him out by himself And they didn't even know they were doing it. What they thought they were doing was totally something different than that. They thought they were being wise. So just let me paint the picture for you. You have Paul. Paul's mission was to the Gentiles, right? So you got Paul, right? Then you have the James and the the elders there at Jerusalem. And their mission is to the believing Jews, to the believing Jews. But then you have this third group of people The Jews, right? The chosen people of God, who God wants to be his own, right? Who killed his only son, and God still sent his son to die because he wants these people to know him and love him. You have these three groups of people. So Paul has this ministry to the Gentiles, and he comes to this middle group, to James and the elders, and he says, I want to bring unity to the church between Jews and Gentiles, right? 
And they're like, that's great. We want that too. But we have this other group over here that if we go all in with you, we're getting cut off. Like, you know what I mean? So they're trying to like, uh, yeah, we're with you. We're with you. Here's how we could be with you. Let's, let's have you do this so they'll all know that what they're saying is wrong. Right? So they think they have a good solution. But it completely backfires and it ends up being a really a fearful abandoning of Paul. Okay? Get it? All right, a lot of explanation there. Paul lays down his rights. Why not stand up, Paul? Why not say, you guys are out of your mind. I bring this money to you. What is wrong with you? You know this is erroneous. You know what? You don't even have to live under the law anyway, guys. Do I need to be your teacher? Let me tell you what Jesus told me, right? Like, he doesn't do any of that. Why not stand up, Paul, like he did in Galatians chapter 2 to Peter? When Peter was like eating with people and then James sends some guys and then he's not eating with people. And Barnabas too, and he had to lay the wood to him. He was like, I stood up face to face with Peter and said, that's not good. Why doesn't he do that? You should go read Galatians. It's a really good book to read in this context. Is he fearful? Does he have fear of man? He's human. We have fear of man. Look at this verse, Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man? Answer is no. Or of God? Uh, I'm going with God, okay? Or am I trying to please man? The answer is no. It's a rhetorical question. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He's like, I don't have a fear of man problem. <laughs> I'm not trying to please man. What I'm trying to do is create unity. I'm trying to be on mission. I'm trying to reach everyone for the gospel. Well, what does that look like, you might say? Well, there's a verse for that. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read it for you. It'll be on the screen. This is what Paul's doing. Okay, let's just be really clear. This is what Paul's doing. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. That's why he's silent. That's why he's not fighting back. That's why he's not standing up. He's like, I'll serve you guys for the gospel. I'll serve you for the mission. I'll serve you for the sake of unity. I love to serve you. That I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. See that? Like, I'm going to act like you, Jews, to win you. To those under the law, that's our passage, I became as one under the law. I'll do the vow, I'll do the thing. I'll, I'll Look at the parentheses. Though not being myself under the law, he knew, he knew he wasn't. That I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law. When he was with the Gentiles, he knew how to act. Not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ. So what law are we under? We, to be clear, this is really important, are under the law of Christ. Okay, that's really key to what we're talking about. That I might win those outside the law. I'm under the law of Christ to win those that are outside the law. Okay, here's the last part. To the weak I became weak. Romans 14 and 15. <laughs> that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means 
I might save some. Who does the saving? Not Paul. What does he mean by I might save some? I, my testimony will reach somebody, right? We know that Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, does the saving. That I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. It's the gospel. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. The gospel is such a blessing. Think of Paul. Think of how his life has changed. Think, he could have been like, my life is different now. I don't have to live like that. But yet, because his life was different, truly, he was like, yeah, I'm happy to live however, however it would be best for you right now. I'm happy to live that way and lay down my freedoms, lay down my rights for the unity of the body. That's what's happening. It goes on, verse 25. Verse 25. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, remember the key phrase again? Have believed. These people knew Jesus as well, the Gentiles. We have sent a letter, we already studied that in chapter 15, with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. Good things? Yes. Okay, now, just a key point here. Are these, just, we just picked four laws out of the 613 commandments. We just picked four laws that you need to follow, Gentiles. If you keep these, you're doing great. Is that what's happening here? No. Say no. Tell your neighbor no. That's not what's happening here. That is not happening here. Okay? What's happening is these four things are things that pagans do in their worship. Right? And so what they're saying to the Gentiles is, for the sake of the progress of making Jews, you know, disciples of Christ too, don't trip up the Jews with, with what you do. Don't worship like pagans. Worship like Christ. Okay? Leave the worldly things behind. It's going to cost you something. Leave some things behind. That's what he's going after. Uh, have they changed the plan at all? No, it's the same plan for several chapters. They haven't changed the plan. Keep reading. What's Paul going to do? Jews, Gentiles... What's he going to do? Is he going to follow? Is he going to go, hey, excuse me, I have a few things to say. i got a message for you guys. <laughs> Flipping your Bible too. No, no, he's not going to say that. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, deliberate obedience right away. What a good response. He purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. He did it. He just flat out did it. It's pretty astounding. Fearfully abandoned, you'll see why. <laughs> Look at the next one. I just got to say this. Hey, can I just say this? This, this, this? Just write this down in your paper. Be careful of the fear of man. It is a trap that will snatch you up and trip you up like nobody's business. You care too much what other people think about you. I know that because I do too. Be careful of the fear of man. Be careful of the expectations you put on yourself or you think other people put on you. Paul, right now, could have this mindset. 
I did what was right. I did what they asked him to. Going to expect a blessing now. It's going to be all good in the neighborhood because I did what was right. I laid down my rights. Look at me. I'm Paul, right? He could do that. I'm all in for y'all. That expectation of blessing immediately upon doing what's right. Immediately. I did what was right. I came to church. God blessed me this week. That expectation of blessing, immediate blessing, is dangerous. Is dangerous. Because see what happens. He's falsely accused. That's the next thing. Falsely accused. Write it down. Falsely excused. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, I'm just going to put a finer point on that, Ephesians, right, uh, from Ephesus, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. Does that sound familiar? I think, <laughs> greatest Diana of the Ephesians, greatest day. They're like trying to create the same mob that Demetrius uh, created, crying out, men of Israel, Help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere. Paul somehow automatically came omnipresent, right? He's teaching everyone everywhere. He's a God. Like, what? Be careful. When people falsely accuse you, they exaggerate. That's not true. Against the people, one, the Jews, the law, that's the law of Moses, the written law, and this place, three, that's the temple. When you say something about the people, that's important, right? I mean, you're going to get some kickback. When you say something against Jews, it's going to get ugly. When you say something about their rules that they like to follow, it's going to get ugly. But I'll tell you this. This is the creme de la creme. When you say something against their place of worship, it is on like Donkey Kong, right? People get sideways with buildings, do they not? It's like the building becomes the thing. And it definitely is here. Because when Jesus said, I'll destroy this place, right? They want to kill him. And Stephen, same thing. His speech, they're like, yeah, yeah, the temple. Going to kill him. Be careful. Gets offensive. Moreover, this is the specific argument they had against him. And it's so erroneous. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. There was a plaque on the outside of the temple when you came from the court of the Gentiles to the court of the women. There was a, there's a plaque there that basically said, enter at your own risk because if you enter and you're Gentile, you're dead. You're taking your life out of your hands. We are going to kill you. That's the paraphrased version. You're not coming back. All because why? An assumption. Verse 29. For they had previously seen Trophimus, that's one of the guys mentioned in chapter 20, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed, assumption, you know what they say, that Paul had brought him into the temple. So he's falsely accused. Now what should he do? When you're falsely accused, what do you do? Here's some common responses when falsely accused. I, I like to try all of these and sometimes all at once, right? First, I deny it's true. That's not true. I didn't bring Trophimus in here. Where is Trophimus? 
If I brought him in, take him, kill him, and me too. Like, it's erroneous what you're saying. There's no proof. I didn't do it. Don't we deny it? Yeah, write that down. Sometimes we deny it. (laughs) Common response is, demand my rights. Take it back. (laughs) Right? You take it back right now. I have rights, you know. You can't speak like that to me. That's how we act when we're falsely accused. Some would say rightfully so. And this third thing, we devour our accusers. (laughs) Right? Don't we do that? Well, look at you, Travis. I mean, your life isn't a shining pearl either, right? Like, I mean, just like, look at what you do, man. Like, we get, we start to devour them when they're attacking us, right? That's kind of what we do. Am I the only one? Y'all do it too? Oh, good. I was getting nervous. Feeling naked up here for a second. Paul is completely surrendered. There's no power trip here. There's no ego. There's no pride. There's no defense. He is silent. Does that remind you of anyone? Jesus? (laughs) You know? Not talking back. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm just going to go with it. This next thing, he's physically attacked. Look at verse 30. He's physically attacked. Then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out uh, out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut because they didn't want to defile the temple. Those same temple guards that shut the gates should have been defending Paul's honor. Should have been checking the stats and going, I didn't see any Gentile come in. I would have killed him on spot. It's a plot to kill Paul. As they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune. The tribune is a leader, the commander of a thousand soldiers, 760 foot soldiers and 240 cavalry. Of the cohort, the cohort is the thousand soldiers, that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions. Since it says centurions, plural, it's at least 200 soldiers since each centurion is over at least 100. And he ran down with them, or to them, and when he saw, when they saw the tribune (laughs) and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. I'd like to act this out. Um, Right? Eric, you're in the message. Come here, you'd be fun to beat on. All right? So it's, just, it's like, this is kind of cool. It's like, you know, can I drag you? <laughs> like, how, how bloody would a guy be if a bunch of people, a mob, took him, right? Started to pummel him, right? But they want to get blood in the temple. So like, here, I'm going to drag you, right? I'm going to drag you on a floor. You get rug burn here, but there it was a cement floor, okay? Cuts, bruises, scrapes, right? They drag him out of the temple. I'm, I'm thinking they weren't like, Oh, Paul, I don't want to hurt you, right? Like he, He's getting pummeled. And then they get out there, and they're all like, let's go. And they're like, boom, 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 right? Like, you want to join me? Come on. Andrew, come on. There's more than one. Like, Travis, you're in two, man. Let's just pummel this guy. Come on, Travis, hustle up. Like this, we got to beat him up. Come on, man. And so we're all like, we're all like just pummeling him, right? Boom, boom, boom. And then the, and then the tribute shows up, and we're like, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> How's it going, man? This guy's all messed up. 
Yeah, we messed him up, but he's all messed up. I mean, just like, it's absurd. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. It's absurd what's happening here. But they're so tricky slick that they're like, man, this guy's a mess. You need to arrest him. You know, like, it's crazy. They physically attack him. They drag him. They beat him. They stop at the right time. Paul's probably thinking, I finally caught a break. (laughs) And the next thing is, He's foolishly arrested. Claudius Lysias, Acts 23, 26 tells you that, is the tribune. And he comes and he binds Paul. Look at verse 33. Then the tribune came up and arrested him. You're like, um, I'm thinking arrest the guy's beating me up, bro. Doesn't say a word. And ordered him to be bound. Is he even conscious at this point? With two chains. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Two chains? Something about, wasn't it Dylan's belt last week? It was wrapped around me? Yeah. So Agabus, you're right. In the same chapter, prophecy fulfilled. The Bible is so awesome. (laughs) And he inquired, who... He was, and what he had done. Who's he inquiring of? Not Paul. It's like, if you want to know what I did, who I am, just ask me. But some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another, and he, as he uh, could not learn the facts because of the uproar and the fact they didn't have a clue who he was, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. He arrested him. And it was foolish. If you keep reading, the next chapter speaks of how foolish it is because he couldn't even arrest him without charge because he's a Roman citizen. I mean, he could lose, the guy could lose his whole charge of a thousand soldiers because of what he did. It, it is a life changer. This guy is foolish right now. He has everything to lose and he doesn't even know it. And then this. Verse 35, and when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. And the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. I want you to get the picture. At first they were like, you know. But then as they chained him and they asked, and they could see that the Romans were really concerned with him, not them and their behavior, then they got really comfortable, right? And they started to like go right back at it and kick and claw and scrape and yell and be a mob again. Even with the Romans right there, they were like, and it got so bad, the guys had to pick him up and carry him or he was going to get killed. He was fervently opposed. I mean, he wasn't just opposed. This was violence. A mob had to be carried out. They're crying out. Away with him. Do you know, they said the same thing about Jesus, but it, it sounded like this. Crucify him. Crucify him, right? They're basically saying, kill him. Kill him now. What was our phrase that I asked you to memorize? I'm ready to suffer and die for Jesus. It just became real, right? And we live in a world where it's real. Satan would devour you. 
all of these things, I look at them, gladly accepted. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad I came to church today. That felt really good for like a second. And then you went on to these five things. Fearfully abandoned. I don't want to be abandoned. Falsely accused. That's probably the most common. Physically attacked. Well, Satan's pretty crafty that way, but I don't remember the last time I got a black eye for Jesus. Foolishly arrested. I haven't been arrested either, but it could come, I guess. Fervently opposed. Now that has happened. <laughs> you know, you want to see somebody get upset. Just, just go towards Jesus. And when they don't want to go towards Jesus, and there's a recoil like you would not believe. It gets crazy fast. Well, we're here. We got here. I'm glad to be done with that. How should I respond? Right? That's the question, right? Isn't that what we are asking? People are watching. Because people are watching, my response matters. How should I respond? How do I respond when I'm out there this week, Steve? How do I respond in real life situations? Did y'all read 1 Peter 3 and 4 last week? I gave that to you last week. If you didn't read it, write it down now. This is a good theology of suffering. This is how to respond. For, who, who read 1 Peter 3 and 4? Come on now. Oh, thank you for encouraging me, Kyle. I appreciate it. At least, at least one guy read it. All right, great. Thank you. Like, y'all, y'all should read it, man. Like, it's, it's so good. And it frames up your theology of suffering. He's willing to suffer here for love, for unity, for grace, for the gospel, for the mission. He wants to suffer well. He wants to be a testimony, a positive testimony in a negative circumstance. How do I do that? Here it is. Number one. This is where the rubber meets the road, right here. Sacrifice freedoms. He could have stood up, he could have shouted, he could have said a bunch of stuff, he could have called them names, he could have fought back, he could have punched somebody in the face. He could have done a lot of different things. Shouldn't I stand up for myself? Why not? What difference does it make anyway? What I say to my boss, how I treat my family, what I eat, what I drink, what I say, how I act. It matters, guys. It matters. It matters because people are weak, right? Remember the weaker brother principle? There's people that are more mature and there's people that are weaker. Well, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, which one are you supposed to be? The more mature person, right? But that's a journey. That's, that's a journey and a struggle, to get mature. That's why we read the word all the time to try to apply it to our lives. But can you expect that these people out here in the world or these people out here that are attacking you, maybe so-called Christians, can you expect that they're going to be mature? No, you can expect that they're going to be weak. Read Romans 14 and 15. This is really going to help you in this regard. Please, re please read that this week. Romans 14 and 15 really will help you in regards to this. For the sake of all that matters, for the sake of Jesus Christ, you kind of have to have this attitude. I don't matter. It's not about me. I have no agenda other than Jesus Christ. If he'll be glorified, I'm willing to suffer for him. I'm not going to stand up for me. What's the highest good? 
Me living how I want to live or other people coming to Christ? What's the highest good? That's really what we're talking about here. People are watching and I have all the liberty I want. I can live however I want in Christ under the law of Christ, right? I don't have to live by the law of the Old Testament. But be careful with your freedoms, with your liberties, man. makes me sad when preachers get all like, you can do this, you can do that, you have all these liberties. It's like, really? Yes, we do. But don't you think we should be mature with those liberties and be thoughtful with who we are? I think we should. Sacrifice freedoms, number one. Guys, I know nobody likes to sacrifice. Nobody likes to lay down on the altar. Nobody likes to do that, especially with something that's theirs. It's mine. It's my freedom. But I'm telling you for the sake of unity in this church, for the sake of love, for the sake of winning the city, for the mission, right? For the sake of the gospel itself, we have to sacrifice our freedoms. That is complete surrender. You might write this phrase down. I need to defend myself less and speak up for Jesus more. I need to defend myself less and speak up for Jesus more. That's key. That's key. Write that down. Read that. Get that. Get after that. That kind of brings you to this next thing. Share Jesus. So sacrifice your freedoms and to share Jesus. Now, share Jesus is like just like so weak to me. Oh, can I share Jesus with you? You know, like it's such a mamby-pamby way to say it. But that's what he's doing. He's speaking the truth in love, but he's doing it with so much love and grace that he's relating to them. I want you to see it, okay? I want you to see it. I'm just going to read it for you. Verse 37, I got to read this quickly. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tri tribune, may I say something? He didn't say, I, I'm a Roman citizen. I demand to say some stuff. He's like, hey, can, I, can I say something to you, please? Well done. And he said, do you know Greek? Because he spoke to him in Greek. Are you not the Egyptian then who has recently stirred up a revolt and led uh, the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the uh, wilderness? There's so much there I could tell you all of it, but it, you know, just ask me some other time. <laughs> Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarshish in Sicilia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, see how he's, very, he's deferring to him all the way. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. Now I want you to go back to this beating over here. We're like beating the junk out of Eric, right? And he gets to the top of the stairs and he's like a bloody pulp, right? And he's like, hey, just a second. Could I, could I say something? Like, could I speak to the people? What does he want to do? Y'all are messed up. What's wrong with you, right? That's, I'm, that's what I want to do. I got like a little distance and I got a bunch of Roman soldiers. Man, I'm just going to be, start, let me yell at you a while. You know, like, what does he do? Let me tell you about Jesus. This guy changed my life. He could not wait for the opportunity to speak about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How are we doing on that, people? That is important. 
That is a response worthy. But how he does it is important. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand, (laughs) chains and all, (laughs) to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language. Aramaic, it's a Hebrew dialect. Okay? Brothers and fathers, how tender. Brothers. You're just beating the junk out of me. Brothers, I love you. And fathers, I'll put, you, I'll put myself right under your authority. Hear the defense that I now make before Jesus. Remember, we're not defending ourselves, but who are we defending? We're defending Jesus. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, uh, dialect, uh, Aramaic, they became even more quiet. And he said, this is really a um, three, uh, three-pronged message. I'll let you read it on your own. I want to point out a few things. He says, he says, being zealous uh, for God as all of you are this day. He, he basically is like, y'all like really energized for, for the law, for God. Well done. But in doing that, he's saying, I'm just like you because I was really zealous. I used to persecute this way. And he tells the story. And what he's really saying, I'll just boil it down for you. He says, I'm like you. When you're going to share the gospel with somebody, we're going to share Jesus First thing, get to a commonality. I'm like you. We're alike. We're alike. And you know what the commonality is that you have with them? Churchy people? People that come to church and think they're past sin? No, 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 no. (laughs) No, 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 no. The commonality you have with them is sin. Now, you are forgiven, and you are hoping they will be, right? That they'll embrace that. But the commonality is sin, right? I'm like you. We're sinners. Saved by grace can be saved by grace. We're the same, right? And then he goes on. You, you just read this in your own time, right? There's so much here. I could, I could dig in so much, but for time's sake. Here's the second thing. God broke through, okay? I'm like you. God broke through, right? This is what happened. Jesus Christ met me on the road to Damascus, and I had to ask him two questions. Here they are. You ready for it? Who are you, Lord? Who are you? Because I don't know this. And then second, what shall I do, Lord? I think everybody in this church needs to ask those two questions of themselves. Who are you, Lord? Who are you? What does that mean to me, right? And what should I do, Lord? What do you want me to do, Lord? God broke through. And I would just say this. The God that broke through is Jesus Christ, your Savior. He's the Savior. He could be Savior of your life. He saved Paul's life. Paul wants him to save their life. But there's this part here, repentance, that needs to happen. And he says to them, I saw Ananias and he healed me. And, and uh, look at verse 16 quick. Ananias said this to him. And now, why wait? Why do you wait, bro? Hey, brother Saul, now that you can see, why do you wait? Rise up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name. 
Now these Jews would have understood, right? Because they were Jews, everybody that wanted to be a Jew had to be baptized to be a Jew. It was part of the ritual, right? So they understood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you want to be baptized to be a Jew, right? But Paul was a Jew. And so there's a baptism beyond becoming from a Gentile to a Jew. The baptism that we go after, the baptism he's talking about here, is a baptism of repentance, right? It's a spirit baptism that happens in you, and then you get in the baptism tank next week, right? We're having a baptism service. You get in the tank, and you go, this is what happened in me. I want to show you all what happened in me. I want it to be public, right? So Ananias says to Paul, why do you wait? Rise, be baptized, wash your sins away. Calling on the name of Jesus Christ. Here's the third phrase. You should just write it down. I'm like you. I'm a sinner. God broke through. He's my Savior. And now I'm new. Now I'm new. I know it rhymes. I don't know. God gave it to me. And now I'm new. Here's the deal. Hopefully you remember it. Now I'm new. You want to know what that means? Surrendered. Surrendered. Now I'm new. I'm surrendered to Jesus Christ. That's what we're going for. Surrendered to Jesus Christ. So Paul looks for the opportunity to speak for Jesus and he seeks out a common ground to share Jesus and then he says, hey, I'm like you. I'm a sinner. <laughs> okay? God broke through in my life. He can break through in your life. He's a great God. Savior Jesus Christ. And now I'm new. I'm different. I'm changed. Now, Paul gave a report earlier and it's much like this report here. This is a 10-year vision in our church. And uh, if you haven't seen it before, you can pick one up at uh, one of the worship walk work tables. Um, but this is a 10-year vision. Paul has given a report about his ministry and we give a report of our ministry here and, and uh, it's really cool. But there's a page on here that matters more than anything and, and we said, well, if we set out to do this, what would God do, right? And one of the things we set out to do is to share our testimony. So when I'm talking about, hey, surrender your rights, sacrifice your freedoms, right? And, and, and I'm talking about share Jesus. Then what we've asked you to do is to write down your testimony and be able to articulate it in three to five minutes, okay? I want you to bring that with you next week. I want you to be prepared to share that next week. You're like, what, in front of everybody? No, no, not in front of everybody. Maybe just to like your neighbor or something. But I want you to be prepared to share that next week. I want you to bring it with you. Everybody clear on that? Good action point for the message? We're going to prepare to share Jesus, right? Next week we're going to come. Now here's the other thing. By faith, if you've had a turning point where you've accepted Jesus Christ, but you have not been publicly baptized, I want you to, by faith, bring a bag full of your swimming trunks and your clothes next week. And I want you to ask, right? I want you to ask God is it today? Is it this week? Read up on baptism. Read all of Acts if you want, right? It's pretty clear. Be saved, be baptized. Why do you wait? Right? Why do you wait? Stand up, get in the tank, be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized after that moment of salvation, I know a lot of us are baptized in infant, I get that. But if you haven't been baptized after that moment of salvation, I want you to by faith, I'm challenging you by faith, I'm preparing your heart for next week. Bring a bag with swim trunks in it, right? Just bring a bag. I don't know if you're going to use it or not. That's up to you. That's up to the Holy Spirit. Nobody's going to twist your arm. 
We are going to testify to Jesus Christ next week. And if God speaks to you and says, you need to be baptized, then I'm going to invite you. Right? Kind of impromptu, but not really since I told you today. I know some of you guys are going to be like, nah, I'm not coming next week. Right? I'm just not coming. I'm just gonna... If that's you, then you can know that you have a rebellious heart. You can know that. Right? That that's where you're at. You don't want to do what's right. Right? But if you have a weak heart, right? If you're just like, ah, I kind of want to do what's right. I'm just not informed. I just I need a little help. Like, you come with bag next week and we're going to help you understand it. Right? All right? Get it? Everybody bring in their testimony next week? Because we want to share Jesus. We're willing to lay down our freedoms. We've got to respond. Let me pray. Let's stand. Father God, what a long passage, what a long message. But I pray that somewhere, somehow in there, somebody's heart was changed, touched. That some kind of thing that we're struggling with would be... Uh, would be lessened. That the hold that Satan has on us, the grip, uh, would be weakened. And uh, that we would find comfort in the fact that Paul's example was he, he completely surrendered. And we want to do that too, God. Even when negative circumstances come, we want to have a positive testimony. We've learned a little bit today about how to do that. So God, help us to go out and live it, I pray.